We're going to kind of do old church today. Stand while reading the Word of God. How do you like that? By the way, you need to stretch out a little bit anyway. Hallelujah. Turn to Hebrews, if you would. Would you all mind bringing the pulpit over, Randy and uh, Samuel? Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews 11, verse 1. Thank you, gentlemen. This chapter, as you know, is, is known, for those of you who know the Bible, it's, it's known as the chapter of faith. Today I'm going to be talking to you about believe, believing. And I believe this first verse and the sixth verse probably gives us a biblical definition of what faith is. In verse 1 it says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of of things not seen. Now, I've got a different translation up on the screen here. I'm going to come back to that. Skip down to verse 6. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Now, Lord, speak to us through your word today. We will listen, we will hear, and we will do what you say we should do. For we ask it in Jesus' name and all of God's people said, Amen. 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 Thank you. And you may be seated. Glory to God. I'll tell you about my little journey of 34 years. That's why I am excited today because of what happened to me that period of time of 34 years I stand here before you today as, as a new man Amen. see some of you don't know but, but you don't know what a mess I was when he found me come on now now I, I, um, I used to say when I first came to the Lord I found the Lord I would go, 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 you know, guess what? I found the Lord. As if, you know, Forrest said, I didn't know Jesus was lost. I didn't know I was supposed to be looking for him. How many know that he found us? How many know he was searching for you when you weren't looking for him? And I want to talk to you about people in this room. I want to talk to you about people in general that I've seen through these 34 years, that there is something that makes a difference. There's a contrast between people, even sitting in churches. See, I, I see there are some people who sit in church that they have, they'll walk up to you and they're, they're exuding confidence. They have some kind of assurance and yet when you hear them tell their life, you say, if you know where I was when he found me, you'll know I've come a long way. And there's something about that they tell you, yeah, I once was under condemnation, but now I'm walking in blessing. There are people who show gratitude that if you listen to them, they'll say, you see, I was walking in shame. I was bound up in something. I was hopelessly lost. But at some point, deliverance came and I found freedom. 
Some can recount and they could probably stand up and grab this microphone and they would say, you see, I had addictions or I had some kind of life controlling problem. Some people would stand up and say, you know, before I knew him, I wrestled with depression or I had fear in my life. I had a lot of insecurities. But then they stand before him and they say, ah, but something happened. Something happened that changed it for me and the person you're looking at is not the same person. And still yet, there are others who sit in church and they say, yeah, I, I, I say I believe in the Lord, but I still struggle. I still have addictions. I still have uh, bouts with depression. I still have anxiety in my life. There are still insecurities. I picture that some people sitting in church it's like they get into the ring with the devil and they say, you know what? I know I'm having problems, but I'm gonna slug it out with the enemy. And they start fighting and they start throwing punches as hard as they can. And sometimes they make a little bit of uh, progress, but eventually that person, the devil ma manages to get a punch in and knocks them down and says, and you stay down. And he begins to tell lies to people who are saying, you see, you'll never get free. You see, you're gonna be bound up. You see, you've tried again and again and again, haven't you? You just need to go ahead and admit that something's wrong with you. You're, you're fundamentally flawed. And the accuser of the brethren tries to make you think there is no hope. And let me tell you what else he tries to do. He will try to make you think that you're sitting in a room and you're surrounded by people and nobody knows the battles you're facing. Nobody understands it. You know, everybody seems to be happy in church. Everybody seems to be, but nobody knows the battles I'm facing. I want you to know there is somebody who knows exactly what you're facing. See, come on now. This on this Super Bowl Sunday, I want to talk to you about, yeah, the resurrection. But I want to talk to you about what do you believe? Folks, of all the world religions and all those who claimed some type of religious status or some type of spiritual domain, only one, listen, only one declared who he was. He was born of a virgin. He lived a sinless life. He was beaten and he was nailed to a cross. But the thing that separates my Jesus from every other religious leader is he said, I'm gonna go into the grave. I'm gonna go into the belly of hell and I'm going to take the keys from him who held death and hell and I'm gonna rise again on the third day and I'm gonna come out of that tomb and I'm gonna extend my nail-scarred hands to you and I'm gonna offer you what nobody else can and that is forgiveness. Uh, But he doesn't want to leave it there. He wants to offer you freedom. Beloved, I want to talk to you about believing. What do you believe? Friend, the most important thing about you sitting where, where you are today is what do you believe and what do you believe about your God? You see, the measure of your faith is the measure of your God. 
And you can quickly find out where your level of faith is when you begin to confront giants and you begin to confront problems and when you begin to see promises that are setting before you. And you can see, you can hear a person talk. Remember what we said last week? The children of Israel said they walked around in that desert for 40 years. They walked around that same mountain year after year after year. And it said then they went 11 days journey and they came to a place. Now this is review, so stay with me from last week. They came to a place called Kadesh Barnea. Want to know what the Kadesh Barnea means in the Hebrew? It means a desert for fugitives. What happened is they had walked around the desert for 40 years and what we understand that the the next day's journey, it was 12 days journey into the promised land and it said they journeyed 11 days. Catch this now. They came up one day short of what God had promised them. They were all so close and they came up to Kadesh Barnea, the wilderness of a fugitive. You know what a fugitive is. It's somebody who has no place to call home. It's somebody who's always wondering and they now have no place where they can say, I finally found rest. I finally found freedom. And yet, they were the children of God. See, what I believe is that what happened, because when those 10 spies went back, God said, tell them to go in and spy out the land and see what's there. What happened? 10 came back and they said they gave a a. a Bad report. They gave an evil report. And here's what they said. We are not able to go up and possess the land because the the inhabitants devour those who come in there. And they said, and there are giants in the land. And remember what they said? And they said, we were as grasshoppers in our eyes. And so we were in their eyes. You see, they were children of God, but they were calling themselves grasshoppers. In their terminology, it was the lowest form. It was a peon. It was, it was the doormat. Can you imagine a child of God standing, looking at the promised land and saying, I'm a doormat. I'm no good. I, I can't do this. Uh, we're not able to go up and take this. Oh, but Joshua and Caleb, they stood up and said, we are well able. Oh, I love that. I'm trying to pace myself now. I need a little energy to get to the end of this. He said, we are, they said, we are well able to go up and watch, overcome them. Why? Because they saw, yeah, there's giants in the land, but they saw a great big God. and said, your giants may be big, but our God is bigger. And they said, we can all, we can, let's, let us go up at once and possess that land. So folks, what we learn is that those who doubted ended up going back around that same mountain again. They still, after 40 years, had not learned the lesson that faith, listen, faith determines the next season you will walk in. What you believe is what you become. The greatest determiner of where you're gonna be in 20 years from now, five years from now, is what do you believe about your God? And what do you believe about what he said about you? Now, let me come back to this definition again. In Hebrews 11.1, This is the New Living Translation. Kind of gives you a little bit of different angle on it. Faith is the confidence that uh, is is the confidence that we what we hope for will actually happen. It gives assurance about things we cannot see. 
Now, this word faith, it means what we've just heard. It means to have a confidence. It means to have a deep, resolute assurance that something is true and no matter what happens, you can say, no, it's still true and circumstances don't tell me what my faith tells me. Now, in verse six, it defines what I believe or tells us what believing is. It is impossible to please God without faith, so let's just make a mark there and say, folks, this whole thing we're going forward is all built on what we believe. This is the way God has set it up and said, now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. All right, so faith, even in heaven, you think when we get to heaven, we're gonna be going around doing everything, we won't need faith anymore? Guess what? Faith will even be God created the heavens and the earth by faith. He is the God of faith. It says, now without faith, it's it's impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to please him must believe. Somebody say must believe. Does that not give you a prerequisite? Is that not a requirement saying, okay, if you're gonna come to me, you must believe. Must believe what? Do, do we not know out in this world that people have all kinds of uh, theologies in different ways? You know, you just believe in the Buddha in you. You just believe in Muhammad. Just believe in one of the Hindu gods. Just believe in yourself. Ooh, there's a dangerous one. I've heard somebody say, how was somebody, some movie star, some sports star, how was it that you got to where you believe? Watch out because they'd say, I think you just have to believe in yourself. Who are we talking about here? And see, he says, you, we must believe that he exists, that he is, and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. I want you to look at this little graphic because Hebrews eleven six says we must believe who he is or that he exists. I believe it starts at the top. Go to that next one. We've got to know who God is. See, faith will unlock its mysteries to you if you know who God is. You see, you can't make up a God. This is the problem with America today. It's a problem all over, is that people make up a God in their head and they say, that's my God. My religion is a personal thing. My faith is a private thing between me and God. Listen, God doesn't allow a different image to be made up of him. You can't call him by another name. You can't make up some image. See, the problem with a lot of people, the reason they are in that trap and they're ensnared by their past is they have not seen him as he is. See, a lot of you have sat in church and you've been beaten down with an angry God. And he's, he's condemning, he's shaming, he's mad at you. He's dangling you over the bottomless pit. He's, he's just ticked off at you. And, and you can never find that place to come to the place. You've never been told about a loving God, about a God who, who delights in you. Can you see that child of God? Amen. I know you've, been, you've heard about him loving you, but I want you to get a picture while I'm talking right now. There is a God in heaven who takes delight in you. Yes. Have you ever met somebody? Maybe it's mama. Maybe it's somebody in your family. You go up to them and they just delight in you. It's like your grandbabies, right? I'm gonna come over here and look at y'all. When, you, when, you, when, you, uh, when you, your kids come up, don't you just, you just, I mean, you love them, but you celebrate them. See, some people have been given a toxic Jesus. You see, he's angry at you and he knows you're messed up. He knows you're broken. And so when you come to him, he's got a scowl on his face and he's mad at you. Oh, I have found that when you come to him, he's smiling. 
and he delights. And he goes, you're my child. You see, not a, I created you. And not only that, when I hung on that cross, I did it because I love you. You were my joy. Yes. And it says that he, you know, the word says it's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. It's his goodness. He searches through. He says, oh, I know, I know there's some things broken in you. He says, but I, I loved you from the start. I loved you and committed to you even though you had issues. That's the kind of God. And see, so what do you believe? That's, that's a right belief of knowing who he said. But then what does he say about you? What did God say in his word? Those 10 spies said, we are as grasshoppers. We can't go up. We can't overcome the giants. We can't get our promise. Why? Because I'm, I'm, I'm a no count. There's something broken in me. I, I've got struggles. I, I, I'm trying to get through. And we just sit back and say, well, I've never been able to come to the place where God wants me. I guess I'm just going to give in to where the devil wants me. Now, we wouldn't say that. But our actions... If we believe the wrong way, we end up going around the same mountain again and again and again. God's saying, God, you're only one day's journey. Don't be a fugitive in the wilderness. I've already promised you the land. I want you to go. So what do you believe about what God has said about you? But then it comes to the next place is what is God's will? What does God's will require of me? Because there is no such thing, church, as people who just say a prayer. And even on this Easter Sunday, you know a lot of people are going to come to church. Some, some people, this will be the only time of the year they, they, they come to church and they won't see them for the rest of the time. Some people will walk down an altar, to an altar and give their heart to Jesus. And then when they, between the altar and the door, there is no change. Before they get in the car, they're the same person because they had a wrong belief. They didn't believe the right way. Because actually, the right way to think about this, um, Acts 16.11 says, believe on the Lord Jesus. Believe into the Lord Jesus. And you will be saved. So see, it's believing into him, and then it's saying, I, I agree with what his word says about me, and I will do his will for my life. Anybody know this scripture? You will know the truth. And the truth will set you free. Does that sound familiar? You know, that's one of the most popular phrases on college campuses and universities. Even secular people quote that. Because it sounds good, doesn't it? And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Well, folks, what's, what is this truth that brings freedom? If people are quoting it, why are they still in bondage? Because they're missing what this is actually saying. This is Jesus talking about who we are and what God's ability is. In John 1.17, it says that the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. So what happened? The law came and it exposed sin. The law is that which is, that it can in a lot of churches, gets to be religious. Gets to be this thing of legalism. You know, if you ladies don't have your hair up in a, in a glory bun this morning, or if your, your dress is not down past your knees, some of y'all don't know, know what I'm talking about. That gentlemen, you know, if you don't have a coat and tie, and by the way, <laughs> Charlie's saved this morning. 
If you're sitting in church and not only coat and tie, but your shirt has to be white. If it's colored, you're going to split hell wide open. Come on, it's all clothesline preaching. The preachers, ah, you know, you know. If you women, you know, you can wear makeup, but don't put lipstick on because that's going to be the devil inside of you. Come on, we get all this stuff about this, all these things. Let me tell you what I know. Help me, Lord. Let me tell you what I know about this Jesus I'm talking about. He's not a God who looks on the outward appearance. He's a God of the heart. This is a religion of the heart. It's all about what's inside your heart. But, but, but the Greek, the way it unfolds you, look what it says, but grace and truth came. Do you see that? When it says came, it means it's looping grace and truth together. It means they are conjoined twins. You can't have one without the other. So he comes with truth, watch, and the truth sets you free. But in this case, we know the truth is not just something we read out of a book. How many know in this case, the truth is actually a person? I am the way and the truth and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. What is that truth? He is a living being. He is the risen Lord. And not only does he give us truth, but he gives us grace. See, grace, it's it's, it's the word uh, charis. It means to, to, to reach down into a pit and to lift somebody up out of a pit that they couldn't get out of themselves. I know what I'm talking about because I've been there. And I, Lord, I've tried. I, I, I white knuckled and I gritted my teeth. I'm gonna quit doing drugs. I'm gonna quit drinking. I'm gonna quit cussing. I'm gonna quit smoking. I'm gonna quit doing all these things. And, every, and, and for long, I look back and the devil's knocked me down again. And I'm right back around that same mountain. But grace is that ability to reach down and pull you up and it sets your feet upon a solid foundation. And you go, wait a minute. Something happened. Something happened to me. When I believed on the Lord Jesus, it wasn't just that I just said a little prayer. When I believed, something went into the spirit realm and it accessed a power. And it came into me. I can't explain it to you. It is truly what I'm telling you about is truly supernatural. Because I want you to listen to me, folks. When I came to the Lord, I had a seven-year drug addiction. I had been messed up. I had been uh, bound for all these years. And for years, I would try to stop. I, would try, I could see I'm self-destructing. I'm going down the, the road of so many of my family had gone down. I'm, you know, and I could see down the end of that road, I said, the, I'm, I'm, I'm going to self-destruct at the end of this road. But it was on an Easter Sunday. And watch this now. An old party buddy of mine, a guy I used to get high with, had gotten saved and given his heart to the Lord. And you know, and I had, I had been um, in some situations where my life passed before my eyes. One was when I got in, fight, in a fight with another guy. And, and he went home and got a gun. And he stood in front of me, he pointed, he said, you should have never laid a hand on me. Folks, when they say your life passes before your eyes at the point of death, it's true. And I watched my life and I realized he wasn't kidding. All I know is I heard a voice behind me that said, move. I I was frozen with fear because if I charged him, he was gonna shoot me. If I tried to run away, he was gonna shoot me in the back. So he had that rifle laid right on me. 
And I heard the voice come the second time. I wasn't a Christian. I was lost. Do you understand the Holy Spirit is after sinners? You understand even if you're sitting in a smoky honky tonk, the Holy Spirit sitting right there going, are you done with that? Because I can take it from here, but you see what you're making a mess of it, son. And I remember that voice came back more emphatic, more urgent the second time and said, move. All I did, folks, was take a step back and he pulled the trigger. The bullet barely missed me. I'm standing here today, obviously. Remember, we had a car accident and, and, and I was with my friend and, and we wrecked the car. I mean, it's crazy, y'all. This was a 1977 Grand Prix. Anybody remember those? Oh, there you go. Thank you. I see that hand. A 77 Grand Prix, y'all. This thing was brand new, shiny. He wrecked it. We hit an overpass in Birmingham and, and it hit the it was on ice. He hit and, and it crunched the trunk all the way up to the back seat and it crunched the front almost all the way up to the dash. Here's the crazy thing. You gotta get the I gotta tell you this is a side note. When after it wrecked, the motor was still running. And my friend was so scared because he had been drinking. He said he was so scared the police were going to take him to jail. He said, I'm going to try to drive the car home. <laughs> you got to get this picture in your head. A 1977 Grand Prix that looks like an accordion. I am not kidding. He had to roll the window down and put his head out like a dog. He drove it all the way home like that. Now, all I can tell you is I had a praying mama. If you are here today and you're not right with God, this is a little friend advice, just between you and me over a cup of coffee, I wish. You know, but if you've got somebody praying for you and you're running from God, can I give you some friendly pastoral advice? Give it up! Because there is no place that you can go. I'm going to hide from the Lord. You go to the deepest, darkest place and you go and it's like, oh, I'm getting away with this. And the Lord will go, pick-a-boo. <laughs> I see you. He will pursue you. And people say, well, man, what happened to you? It's hard to explain. It's hard to explain. You see, God was dealing with me. My friend said, hey, Bill, I'm going to go to church on Sunday. You want to go with me? And I looked, I said, Wayne, you know, man, I've been thinking about getting my life right with God because... Man, I've been going through all this stuff. I dropped out of high school and I was just working an endless job and I could see no hope for my future. I said, well, you know what? Maybe if I give my heart to the Lord, it'll change things. And you know the story, those of you who've heard me tell this story before, is that that Easter Sunday morning, I got up and because of circumstances, uh, I didn't get to church on time. Now, when I walked in the door the pastor was closing his message. That's how late to church I was. I mean, about somewhere about halfway through there, I heard a voice saying, now, come on, you're already late. You ever, ever heard that before? You can do that next week. Devil's favorite word is wait. Oh, you can, just wait till next week. You know, God knows you mean business. Well, so why don't you just go ahead and, and you're already late. You're gonna, you've already missed it all. I said, no, I'm going to go down there and I'm going to give my heart to the Lord. I'm going to give my life to Jesus. So I got in that pickup truck and I drove down to that Assembly of God church in Birmingham, Alabama. And when I walked in the door, the pastor was at the pulpit and he says, 
In closing, I would like for you to bow your heads and close your eyes. If you are here today and you need to get right with God, I want you to come down forward and kneel at this altar and give your heart to Jesus. Folks, here's what I did. I walked in the back door. I heard what the preacher said. I just simply got to the aisle that went down to the front, and I did this. And they said, I was the first one down. They're like, he wasn't even sitting there. I didn't have to hear a sermon. God had already prepared me. He says, I'm after you. I've got something I want to do with your life, and you're wasting it, and I can make something of it if you'll turn it over to me. And folks, something happened. I I knelt down at that altar and I asked him, I said, Lord, I believe you. I believe what you said. I believe you died on the cross and I believe you did it for me. And Lord, I ask you to come into my heart today. And folks, I got up from that altar. I want you to know something. A weight had been lifted off of me. I, I knew what it was to walk in shame. I knew what it was to walk in bondage and condemnation. That had been my life up till that day. I can't explain it to you, and many of you know what I'm talking about. All I know is I stood up and I felt lighter. I should have went and weighed myself. I mean, I was floating. I mean, I was like, this is different now. Hold it. I've never felt anything like this before. And you know what? What happened? Something that was in him was put inside of me. And because I believed on him, it changed everything for me. Look at this next graphic. Believing turns into behaving. Believing turns into behaving. Uh, I want you to listen to, um, actually, so go to, I'm going to come back to that. Skip to that next verse. Um, Galatians 2.20. Philip's translation. I'm going to come back to that graphic. This is the way the Philip's translation um, defines it. I died on the cross. <laughs> hey, look this way. You know what I almost said this morning? 2,000 years ago, I went down and gave my heart to the Lord. <laughs> he said, I died on the cross with Christ. So what does that mean? When he died on the cross, I died with him there. So the death that he took was my death. So yeah, it was 34 years ago, but 2,000 years ago, that's where it happened. And I just happened to, listen, tap into what had already been done for me. And he said, and, and, and I, I, I died on the cross. My present life is not the old I, but the living Christ in me. The bodily life I now live, I live believing in the Son of God who loved me, who, who loved me and sacrificed himself for me. A little typo there. But in believing in the Son of God, that's where it changed. Now go back to that graphic. Are you aware that the best predictor of how you're going to behave is how you believe? I have learned for people in life that the reason they stay in bondage and they go around the same mountains again and again, they can't ever seem to get free because they have wrong beliefs. Maybe they've been told that God is just out there in a distant star somewhere and he's done some stuff, but he's gone now. Maybe they've been told, you know, God wants to teach you a lesson by giving you cancer. Maybe they've been told, you know, God is a holy God and and he doesn't like sin and therefore he doesn't like you because you're a sinner. And friend, you better watch out what you believe about God because you will tend to become what it is that you believe. 
Now, here's what I have found. He says, my life in this world is not the old I. Most people are living in this world and they can't seem to get free from their past or even their present because they have not believed into. You see that? The Greek word for believing literally means, watch, to believe into. See, when you want, if you want everything that God has for you, believe into his will. Then everything that he has planned for you will be yours. Why? Because he promised, didn't he? And is he good for his promise? I want you to listen to this. Uh, I, I wrote down a few. Follow this. I call this, this is not on the, uh, the um, PowerPoint back there, y'all, so uh, hang with me. I call it, let me just read these off. These are God's unexaggerated absolutes. I'm going to hit you with this. Come on now, sit there and get, get yourself like, you know, I'm going to hit you hard with it. I'm going to hit you with his word. I want you to pay attention. Now, they're not going to be on the screen, just, so just listen. I want you to pay attention to the, where it says, everything or nothing or all, and all of those things can be accessed simply by believing. Are you ready? Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. Jesus said, all things are possible to those that believe. Jesus said, if you can believe with God, nothing is impossible to him who believes. I can do, y'all need to help me out. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. The word says, all the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ. Now watch this, be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving make requests known to God and the peace of God which passes how much understanding is that he said all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ oh I love this one ready John 14 verses 14 through 15 Jesus says whatever whatever (laughs) whatever what's that whatever break it down it's whatever now it's got to be in the will of God okay you understand that it can't be something wrong or illegal you know, but it's whatever you ask in my name that I will do that the Father be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything, I heard a Bible college student came running into his, his, his friend and said, did you read this? He said, what? It said, if you ask anything. He said, yeah, that's what it said. And he said, so why aren't we doing it? Come on, somebody. It says, it says in... in, in, in um, Ephesians 1.3, it says, uh, the one who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in high places. I'm going to preach myself happy here. It said, my God shall supply. Oh, how much is that? What is that? What's left out of that? So then everything he's saying before you today in his word, he said, I will supply all of your need according to his riches and glory through Christ Jesus. You know what unlocks it? Ready for this? It's just simply what you believe. It's simply who you put confidence or assurance in. I heard, I heard a story of a guy that I think I told you this before. He, he, he had never flown on an airplane before. His first time he got on the airplane and they flew in. The, he, he got to this destination and his friend knew it was his first time. He says, um, he says well, how was the flight? He said, well, it's, it's all right. It's all right. He said, what? He says, he said, but I'll tell you a secret. He says, the truth is I never really did put all my weight on that plane. Confidence, confidence. 
You have, you've heard the story about the guy at the Niagara Falls, right? You've heard that story? Where he, this actually happened. I mean, years ago, he, he stretched a cable all the way across the falls. He was one of those tightrope guys. How many of y'all, y'all like to do that? Three of you. Three of you like to do How many of you like to skydive? Let me see. Three of Four of you. Okay, there you go. All right, so, he's, so here this guy goes. He gets a big crowd, and he, and he goes, he's, he's inching his way across the Niagara Falls. Just this little cable, that thing's bumping around there, and he's swinging, you know, he gets all the way across. And by that time, people's watching, can you believe this? This guy's nuts, look at him. He goes all the way over, he comes all the way back. And then he goes, uh, anybody want to see me do it again? They're like, you, you're the man, you're the bomb, go for it. And he goes, this time I'm going to make it harder. And he goes and he gets a wheelbarrow and he props it up there and he balances just right and he, he scoots himself all the way across with that wheelbarrow and he gets all the way other side and comes all the way back and then he comes back and you and I have come up and said this guy is inc- he's crazy look he's, he's doing it he's going, and he comes all the way back to the other side he hops down off the cable and he walks over to you and he says you think I can do it again and you're like man I've just seen you do it twice you, you're the champion man you can do it go for it he said no do you really believe I can do it and y'all know where it's going don't you he says good get in the wheelbarrow you can sit there and say I believe all day long but until you get in the wheelbarrow you don't believe you know what he's saying about you and me today he's saying until you get in the wheelbarrow you don't really believe until you really believe into the will of God and into my word and what I said about you, you can't say that you're mine. That's where believing becomes this miracle child of God. Y'all all right out there? All right, let's turn the corner here. Here's the bottom line. Here's the bottom line. If you can change what you believe, you can change everything in your life. What I know about people is, um, and us is that from time to time, if all of us wrestle with wrong beliefs, you say, yeah, what are you talking about, Willis? What do you mean? I mean, I, I don't wrestle with wrong beliefs. I got it all together. You see, you know when you're believing the wrong thing if you allow worry to get in your life. The Latin root for worry is wolf. Wolf. It's a devourer. If you've ever had fear about something, well, I'm concerned or I'm worried about my health or I'm worried about my kids or I'm worried about my job. See, if that comes in and starts getting hold of you, wrong belief is getting inside of you. And all of us have got to get to that place to where there is no shadow of turning. There is no doubt that we have in him that we say, no, 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 no. He's brought me too far. He's been too good. I know he's faithful and I may be facing some giants. I may be facing some mountains. I may be looking at something that the doctor has said or maybe my checkbook is trying to tell me or maybe they just closed the plant and and, and I don't know what my next step is. And what you know is that if he's brought you this far, come on, somebody help me, that you know he hasn't left me here. He's not gonna leave me here and I may not see 
what the next step is, but I know the one who's holding my hand who's going to get me to the next day and get me to the next thing, and therefore I have confidence. I believe. They're saying, shouldn't you be scared? No, I've got assurance. You don't understand. I know something. I've got something inside of me that says, I'm going to get through this. Hallelujah. If you can change what you believe, you can change your entire life. I want you to look at this. The resurrection changed everything. Do you know that? The resurrection changed everything. Why? Because when he rose from the dead, folks, all bets were off at that point. It was a moot point. It was a done deal now. When he conquered death, hell, and the grave, and he came back, when he wrote, that's, that's, you know, we, we believe in the cross, and, and yes, what took place there, and, and yes, the blood that was shed there, and all those things were leading up to, it would have been incomplete if he hadn't risen from the dead. That's why this is Super Bowl Sunday. Oh, I know you didn't wear your team colors today. But listen, this is the day we celebrate. That's why I'm just a little stoked up here. I'm sorry. I'm going to go ahead and apologize. I'm sorry for being excited. No, I'm not. I mean, come on, somebody. We can get excited about football or about, you know, did you hear I I, I won the lottery? You know, oh, that's going to pass away one day. This thing is eternal, y'all. And this would make a Presbyterian shout. This would make a Baptist run around the church a couple of times. Being a former Baptist, I can say that. Amen. Hallelujah. When he came up from that grave and he rose, it changed everything. I want you to look at this with me. In John, this is, this is so cool. John 20, verse, we'll pick it up in verse 6. All right, now this is Jesus had risen from the dead. All right. We, we know the story, right, that Mary went to the tomb and it was empty, but she met Jesus there. And she said, now go tell my disciples that I've risen. So she goes back and tells Pete and them. Says, old Pete and John, I went to the tomb. The man's not there. I saw it. The man's not there. And they're like, man, you kidding. Are you serious? Now, you've heard me say this before. John's writing, okay? So John's showing a little humility in the way that he writes it. And then it says, and they, 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 they ran to the tomb. And it says, and then came Simon Peter following him. (laughs) John, we know it's you. Who are you talking about? Me. They're following him. And they went into the, the, and went into the tomb. Who did? Peter. He didn't say I did. He said Peter went into the tomb. And he says, and he, Peter, saw the linens lying there and the handkerchief that had been around his head, not lying with the linen cloths, in other words, his, his burial clothes. The, the, the towel or the napkin was laying apart from the burial clothes. But it was folded together by itself, in a, in a place by itself. Now watch this, here we come. John, then the other disciple, oh John, who came in the tune first. In other words, Peter's fast, but I got wheels. I left him in my dust. I got to the tomb first, but Peter went in first. And John said, I came in behind him and I also saw the napkin that was laid about his head. It was folded 
and it was put in a different place than the burial clothes. And now look at what it says. And then the other disciple came to the tomb first, went in and also, and he saw and believed. He saw and believed. Do you see, church, that that's the one thing that changed everything? What was it? Those of you who've heard me tell the story understand what it is. The cloth was a symbol or a signature of something. Here's why John and Peter saw and it said, and they believed. Because what they knew was a tradition in the Hebrew culture. That you, How many remember what Jesus' occupation was? He was a carpenter. Here's what they knew. When a carpenter was working on someone's house and the family was out of town or they were away and he finished the job, when he was finished with his work, he would take his head cloth or his carpenter's cloth and he would wipe and clean himself up, clean his hands and his brow, and he would take his carpenter's cloth and he would fold it and he would set it out in front of the house so when the family came back, they would see the napkin folded and the carpenter was saying for, to them, I'm done. And they walked into the empty tomb and saw the napkin folded and they realized, what is he telling us? He's done. He's finished. And it said, and they believed. Mm, Glory to God. I don't know about you, but that makes me want to shout. But I don't want to blow your ears out because I got a microphone in my hand. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want to bring this to a close and I want to tell you a little something of what I heard this past week. I don't know, some of you have probably gone and seen uh, Heaven is for Real. How many of you have seen it already? How many of you have read the book? Let me see. All right, very good. I was watching an interview with a little Colton that they, they were talking about the different things that he saw in heaven. And uh, I want to pass on to you something he said. I thought, that, that is so good. He said that Jesus took him and he, and he put him up in his lap and um, he began to talk to him. And he says this, now he was four years old, so understand he's, he's talking to a little four-year-old so a four-year-old can understand. He says, he says, you know, hello. Thank you, Lord. He says, uh, he says, people, he said, Colton, he said, you can come to me if, you, if they're things that are broken inside of you he said because that's why I came to earth is I came to fix what's broken inside of people and he said and I can fix what's broken inside of you but here's what he said he says son it's okay it's okay to come to me with stuff inside that needs to be fixed because that's why I came and that's why I died and that's why I rose from the dead to fix what was broken inside of you. And I would just simply say to you, only believe. Only believe. Do y'all know that song? It's an oldie. Is that close today? It goes like this. Only believe. Only believe. All things are possible. Only believe. Some of you don't know it. Only believe. Only believe. 
impossible only believe it goes like this Lord I believe Lord I believe all things are possible Lord I believe Lord I believe Lord I believe all things are possible Lord I believe would you close your eyes bow your heads I wonder who's here today that you're here in church and I was talking about you a moment ago that you say Bill yeah I I believe but I've come up short with what he wants for me today I need to believe into him the rest of the way I need to believe him today for my salvation. I need to believe him today for the fullness of everything that all the promises of God would be yes and amen for me. Friend, let me share a scripture with you with your heads bowed and your eyes closed. Listen to this. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. All old things have passed away Behold, all things have become new. Now, I don't know who I'm talking to here today, but I would be remiss if I did not give you the opportunity to do what this preacher did 34 years ago. You need to come to him and say, Lord, there's some things that are broken in me, but you said that you can fix it. You said you take the old and you make it into something new. You make all things new. And this is who I'm talking to here today. This is that person that you've been trying and God knows you've been trying. You've been struggling. See, some people, they may be like that woman that went and spent all of her money on on doctors to try to get help. Maybe you've been to a AA. Maybe you've been uh, to a counseling group. Maybe you've tried to tried self help techniques or something, but you've always come and said, "But I've never really been able to press through into the breakthrough to be the person that God wants me to be, today to be." And today, I want to find that place in Him that I can be free and that I can be the person that he's called me to be. You see, friend, he came to to set the captive free. He came to open up prison doors. He came to give you hope and a future. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, and and, and I want it to be uh, quiet for this moment. I'm going to ask you, if you're a Christian, I want you to pray because souls are being weighed in the balance. And friend, if you're here today and you say, Pastor Bill, I need to get right with God. I'm so glad I'm in church. And today is my day. This is a new day for me. I'm not going back. I'm not going to doubt God and I'm not going to go back to the mountain. I'm no longer going to be a fugitive in the wilderness anymore. I'm going to show that I believe in my God and he can meet me where I am today and he will take me to where he has promised for me to go. If that's you, I want you to get ready to put your hand up because I want to pray with you. But here's what I want to tell you. Do not, I repeat, 
Do not be worried about what somebody else thinks. How many times have I said in church and people know that God is talking to them, but they say, well, I won't raise my hand because I don't want anybody to know anything, think about me. It doesn't matter what anybody else thinks about you, child of God. It matters what he knows about you. So you respond to him. You're not responding to people around you. You're really not even responding to the preacher. You're responding to the love that's been given. You're responding to his word. So I want you to get ready to lift your hands. If you say, I want you to pray for me, I need to get right with God. Are you ready to get your hand up? One, two, three, all over this room. Yes, 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 yes. Who else? Yes. Put your hand up and back down. Let me see who you are. Come on, Christians, pray. If I say, I need to get right with God, pastor. This is my day. Pray for me. Don't leave me out of this prayer. Who across this room say, I need to get right with him. Pray for me. Just put your hand up and back down. If you put it up, you can put it back down. In Jesus' name, Father, we just pray right now for every soul being weighed in the balance. Lord, for every soul that needs to make a decision for you today, we're praying for their breakthrough today. Help them to believe beyond the barriers and the giants that are standing in their way right now. If you haven't put your hand up, put it up and back down. I've seen two hands that have gone up so far. Who else in this room? From the back to the front. Thank you, Lord Jesus. All right, here's what I want you to do. Those of you who raised your hands, I want you to join me down front here. Just hop up, come on down. Come on, give them a hand, y'all. Let them know we're with them. Let them know we're with them. I want you to join me down here. Come on, come on. Those of you who raised your hand, come on now. That's right, that's right. Come on, let's, let's encourage them. We celebrate. Thank you, Lord. Come on down, come join me down. Come on, come on. Amen, amen, amen. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. You know, this is the biggest part of this service, isn't it? I want you guys to know, and I know last week we talked about this, but you know what? If you need to keep coming, if you have to ride the altar to heaven, that's okay. But I want you to make sure that that's where you're going to spend eternity. You know what? And the fact that you've raised your hands means that you mean business with God. And the truth is, now you know, nobody here is judging you. Because especially the one with the microphone, I had to stand where you stood. And I got it right, and it changed everything for me, and it's going to change everything for you. I want you to close your eyes, bow your heads, and I want to lead you guys into prayer. Church, I want you to join with me. In fact, come on, Miss Jan, come on up and stand behind Tisha here. In Jesus' name, now, I want you guys to pray. Church, I want you to join us. All of us pray this together. And if you mean it, and you believe it with all your heart, This miracle is about to take place. Say this with me. Say, Jesus, I come to you today and I confess you as my Lord. And I believe in my heart that God raised you from the dead. And because of that, I confess my sins to you now. Everyone, everything I've done, I even confess all of my wrong beliefs. And I ask you to forgive me and wash me clean in the blood you shed for me. I ask you now to come into my heart to be my Lord and my Savior and my soon coming King. Jesus, I mean this prayer with all of my heart I will serve you all of my days because you gave me your best. 
I'm now going to give my best back to you. I ask this in your name. And I thank you for hearing me. I thank you for forgiving me. I thank you for saving me. And I thank you. My name is written in the book of life. In Jesus' name I pray. Now stretch your hands out here, church.